You're listening to a DM podcast. G'day guys, welcome to episode 206, part B of Owen Craigie. Really hope you are having a great start to the new year and enjoyed part A. As I did mention in part A, there is some adult themes in part B, so please do review before you let your kids listen. And if you're enjoying my new show, Talking League, please subscribe for free. It will run on this channel till mid-March and then I'll, I'll cut it off. But search Talking League on your relevant podcast app all the links can be found at talkingleaguepod.com or in today's show notes be on the lookout now because it's open nrl fantasy league and tipping comps for talking with tk listeners there's a 500 cash prize for the winner and it's free to enter so i'd love to for you to be part of the community it makes watching footy all the more fun up so either all the info will be i'll put it on talkingwithtk.com but for now Info to enter is in the episode notes or hit me up on social media or email me at Tristan at TalkingWithTK.com. All right, guys, that's it for me. Let's get on to part B with Owen Craigie. Oh, a big part of your story, which we'll touch on later, is the start of it with the culture of the Knights and the old boys. Yeah. So these group of men that helped save your life Mm. This year mm. This all started back when you were a kid I was a kid bro So back in the day <clears throat> Back in the day There's always talks about The Newcastle Knights Footy Club And at the same standard mm. Was the Newcastle Knights Old Boys Association Yep They were on par Yep So What you understand was that Yes yeah, one thing to play for your community mm. Your supporters And this amazing city And club but you must play for the players that played before us because they started this pathway back in 88 when no one wanted to watch them play. Yeah. No one wanted to sponsor them. No one would give them a fucking chance, you know. And um, so the old boys are the greatest association to be a part of and we've got like 200, 240 members. Players, other clubs have got 20, 30 members. You might get 10, 15, 20 to show up. Yeah. Because when we have old boys do here, we get 200 fucking players. You do. I saw Kurt stuff, mate. Like, yeah, yeah it's amazing. And, and he's, a, he's the chairman too, isn't he? Yeah, Kurt's on Kurt's there. the chairman. Yeah, Kurt, he, he loves, loves it. it. He's, a good, he's a good follow, Kurt. He loves it. Him and Stephen Crow and Jared O'Doherty. Yeah. Troy Fletcher, like, Tony Butterfield and Chee, all the boys, they run it, you know? Yep. And they're passionate. You don't have to force them to do anything. They do it because they know the, the cause, you know? And, um, you know, we 200 deep, bro, every... Every year, you know, and um, players that are started back in '88, the players that are retired last year, they they come into a culture and a system that's always been there, waiting for them to come in, you know, and it's a special bond. And what they done for me uh, last year when I went through rock bottom with uh, my mental health and my mm. cocaine use and my alcohol abuse, um, due to being in a toxic relationship, being due to um, I've my sister passed away, dropped out at thirty one, and some other family issues that were going on back home. Um, I just thought that cocaine and alcohol was a solution to 
my pain and agony and my hurt, you know, and mm. um, and then going through a bad separation and not seeing the children, and then um, but I get to see my beautiful babies now. You know, I fought two and a half years to see them. You know, I've seen them fifteen times in two and a half years, but but now I've seen them every weekend for the last couple of I weeks. I saw you going Christmas shopping, beautiful man. I I, I I went and done everything the right way, you know, and yeah. um, I caused some pain and heartache to some people in my life due to my addiction and my behaviours. Um, I own that. Mm. Um, I accept that. I've forgiven myself and I've forgiven other people, you know. And But one thing I've learned is that I don't trust a lot of people anymore. People that I used to hang with, you know, use me for my fame and mm. help me spend my fortune. Yep. And these are the same people that were contacting my wife while I was in rehab and, you know, all that sort of stuff. Wow. Right? Like people that I used to bring in my house with their wives and girlfriends and eat at my table. And that were, you know, still to this day still find shit to go and talk to me about. About you know, like I'm still dealing with some things in the past, but I'm doing them the right way. You know what I mean? But I don't. You know, these people were never my friends. Mm. They weren't even my associates. Then when I look back, these people are the most untrustworthy people. You know, to go and tell my ex-wife bullshit, mm. bullshit, which then stops me from seeing my kids. Which yeah. is bullshit. You know what I mean? I never hit a woman. I've never touched a woman. Mm. You know, I got charged with stalking. And harassment because she blocked me on her phone and and I couldn't see my kids. So I had to approach her. I'd got no family here. Mm. So my, my, my matter was always a family law matter. It was never a criminal matter. Yep. I breached my OVO ten times. People breach OVO once, go to jail. But there was never any harm or intent or physical um, intention to hurt anybody. It was purely to see my see kids. kids. Yep. But I've now got a criminal record. Under the domestic violence banner for stalking and harassing to fight to see my kids. But what I've learnt in this country mm. as a single parent, not a single father, but there's a lot of mothers that are going through what I'm going through and a lot of men right now, is that you can't do things under the influence of drugs and alcohol. And I, I, even though I thought, yeah, she was my wife and I've seen her give birth to two kids, I couldn't just rock up. And knock on the door and say, listen, let me see the kids. Yep. Listen, unblock me. It doesn't work. When people hate you, they fucking hate you. Mm. And there's no in between. It's either they love you or they hate you. And I realised I was on the end of the stick where it was pure hatred. Yeah. And I breached my avia ten times to see my kids. Would I do it again? I wouldn't breach it like I did. Because I understand the governing law of this country now, which I respect so much. Yeah. You know, if there's people listening to this podcast now, Go and get a lawyer that's going to take you straight to the Family Law Courts of Australia, the federal courts. Mm. Go there. Mediation is bullshit. It's rubbish. No one wins. Yep. If you couldn't communicate together for 20 years living in the same bedroom, you've mm. got fucking no chance. Go to a third party and often you've got no chance. Yep. You haven't. And if there's one person that's won in mediation, fucking go and buy a fucking Powerball ticket. Go straight to the top because it's not about me or her. It's about the children. It's not my side of the story. It's not her side of the story. It's, it's about, about the your children. Kids. Yeah, yeah. And that's where I've grown and I now help other people. And, you know, at the end of the day, she's a great mother. My kids love her so much. Mm. She loves the kids. And for whatever reasons why she hates me, she's probably got every reason to do that. Yep. I can accept that now. But one thing I can't sit with is being charged with an AVO, being with a criminal record because I've never done anything criminal ever towards her or the kids. Yeah. 
Just wanted to see them. Just wanted to see my babies, bro. You know, and but there is some amazing women that have helped me mm. get to where I need to be today through the legal system. Yep. And understanding of it all. And women can see through other women. That's the funny thing. And the greatest gift God has given me out of, I've got three kids. My daughter, man, she's my fucking. <laughs> Your little baby. She, I'm telling you, bro. I love all my kids equally. But I scruff the boys up. I scruff my boys. Just something special between you and your daughter. I don't scruff her. I nah. kiss her. <laughs> I smell her hair. I touch her skin. I tickle her. Yeah. And then my son goes, do it to me, Dad. So I do it to him too. But I like scruffing him up and tackling him and yeah. palm and pushing him. It's, 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 you know, and, and the biggest influences in my world have been women. Yeah. My mum. How many sisters have you got? I've got four sisters. Wow. Four brothers. Yeah. Like my mum raised seven kids. My grandmother raised fucking 24 kids. Have you got heaps of aunties as well? I've got heaps of aunties, yeah. heaps of women. You know, like I love women. I love women, bro. Without women, in so this much, commu- yeah. without women in this community, we are nothing. Beyond every good man is a great woman. Beyond every good community is a great woman. Beyond every great family, you know, the rock of this pillar of community yes. life are women, bro. The woman, yeah. You know, I'm saying women... That are heterosexual, bisexual, whatever, women, we, you know what I mean? It doesn't, matter, yeah, it doesn't matter, bro. Yeah. I love women. So I, it doesn't sit right with me that I've got a criminal record against, against a woman. woman. Yeah. That I haven't done anything criminally wrong. You know what I mean? 100%, mate. 100%. But the, the greatest message that I can preach today is if, if you really honestly want to see your children, you have to get clean and sober, mm. just like I did. Yep. And between rehab last year, I'm being honest. Between Rio, I got out of rehab. I went to rehab on uh, July the f- 29th, 30th. The 1st of August, I was in rehab. Yep. I got out on the 29th of rehab. It was my ex-wife's birthday at the time. And at this stage, I thought, fuck, I'm, I'm good. I'll clean myself up. I'm coming home. She told me, yep, we're going to work things out. Yep. Stop talking to me. Had the kids. So between last year, 2019, 29th of July, so I come out of rehab July, August, September, October, November, December. So I was going on five and a half months clean and sober. Wow. Yeah. And then I went to the Boxing Day races, got blind drunk. Yep. So between then and so December, January, February, March, April, May, June, in seven months I relapsed 50 times. Wow. 50 times I relapsed. Yeah. You know? And I relapsed. So you take a step forward and two steps back every time. Yeah. And it was every time I relapsed, it was like, I wanted to do it, but I didn't want to do it. But I'd done it because I had so much pain and agony. And at this stage, if she found, I found out I was seeing another girl. She cut me off from the kids. Found off, and then, I said, then the girl I was seeing was like, fuck this, too much of me, I'm going. Mm. Bang, bang, bang. And then after a while, I thought, you know what? I'm just going to toss it and chuck it away for good. And that's what I've done, you know. That's what I've done, bro, you know. So I, I haven't touched the Coke for seven months and I've been off the alcohol since Boxing Day this year. Mm. Just, that's nearly 12 you know, months, yeah. yeah, yeah uh, so not Boxing Day, um, Melbourne Cup Day this year. Okay. Off the alcohol. Just you, you're going to go clean. I've, I've, I've clean. done drink alcohol yeah. now or do cocaine. Yeah. We have to Coke for months. But... but but what it is, is it's a final goodbye to a relationship that's been part of my life for yeah. so long. Cause it's not, it's not the, it's not the cocaine and the sensation or the alcohol and the partying. 
It's fucking being a part of my life. I had a better relationship with the coke and alcohol than I had with my wife. Yeah. How old were you when you first touched it? You know, I was fucking 18, 19, bro. Yeah. But it was just here and there. But the last couple of years when I've had all this, yeah, my dad was mentally unwell. He worked with the coppers and he tried to take his life. My sister dropped out at 31, breastfeeding a couple of weeks old Mm. baby. I come home to my house, had a mattress on the floor with a note saying, well, at least I made your bed for you. I couldn't leave you. You know, the house was gone. The kids are gone. Yeah. What the fuck's going on? It was just like, I just want to die. Death. Fuck it. I'm done. I can't keep doing this. But now when you learn to flip the switch and say goodbye to it, bro, you know, what I've learned is that through my addiction and my relapses, so you realise, you know, in a space of time, 50 times I relapsed, bro. And I deliberately wanted to relapse mm. because I was in so much pain and agony. I'm not going to sit here and gloss it. It's own craggy. It's real talk, real issues, yeah. real problems, and there's, you know, but there's some real solutions to it. And my what solution is chasing you, like now, like what makes you stop? Is it the kids? Yeah. So I used to get messages saying, "Oh, you can't even fucking do it for the kids. You're low life, this and that, and all this sort of shit," you know. And and then um, mum and dad come down a while back, you know, and they said, "Son, mum broke down crying. Yeah, son, I'm seeing a psychologist." So is your sister, because I was saying, I'm, I'm going, mm. you know. And if there's anyone listening to this podcast now, please, if you, if this my conversation triggers anyone, please reach out to Lifeline Beyond Blue, the Black Dog Institution, or speak to your GP or your doctor, because, you know, these are real issues. And, you know, but my, my story, I hope that, you know, you probably resonate with me, but there's a solution to it, you know what I mean? Like, I'd rather talk to you and activate your life than attend your funeral, you know what I mean? And that's mm. what Chase Energy is all about, about flipping the switch on your mind, you know? Yep. And I think what happened was um, I couldn't run any further. I couldn't run anymore. I couldn't run from my past. Mm. I couldn't tell no more lies. I couldn't manipulate the situation anymore. I couldn't talk shit anymore. I couldn't blame anyone anymore. Yeah. There came a time my life comes when I was like that. Fuck. You can't go any further. You've told too many lies. You've done it. And then um, I suppose the, the last breach on my AVO when I went to see the kids and give some money and uh, my daughter loves this nice meal, so I got them all packed for it. And I bumped into my ex-wife um, at the horse center and the horse rang the police. And then my wife gave me my daughter and that night the police came and arrested me and Oh, I'll never forget my daughter's face. Of course. It's the most horrible thing I've ever seen in my life. Mm. She's not, what, nine years old? Nine, bro. Yeah. And um, and my son, we're all crying. Because I didn't want to go to jail, bro. I'm on Craigie, you know. I'm a good man. Mm. I do good things. And the perception that I've been portrayed in the Daily Telegraph and in the, in media has portrayed me to be a domestic violence monster. And if you know me, I'm totally the opposite. Of course. And what you believe, what you read, you shouldn't believe. And um, But I did breach my OVO ten times. Mm. I did fight to see my kids. I didn't bash, hurt, tie up, run over, physically hurt anybody or any child or any woman. I was charged with harassing and stalking. So that harassment and stalking was purely to see the kids because I was blocked from messaging and calling and all that sort of stuff, you know, and all I had at that time was my kids, yep. you know, because I was bankrupt, had no money, the car, the, tr- the trust fund money, everything, I'll give everything to her, so I was an understanding I was coming home. 
Hmm. But it was never meant to be. And then when you find that my old mates and associates are now contacting her and doing whatever, I'm like, it's hard to swallow. Absolutely. It's hard to swallow. But I was sitting in um, Belmont Police Station and the copper beyond the desk like, ah, out Owen, community loves you. Just speak to your lawyer to see the kids and I said, well, I've got no money for a lawyer. You know, I thought that she would let me see the kids and all this sort of stuff. And he goes, mate, I can't give you bail this time. Mm. We're going to hand you over to corrections. So I'm in Belmont Police Station. Wow, mate. The meat truck come. You had a meat van? Yeah. They call it the meat van. So you had no idea this was even going to happen, did you? No, bro. So I'm locked up in Belmont Police Station. Jesus. My mate's got a photo of me. I'll show you the photo. You know? Sorry. All good? Yeah, so I'm sitting in Belmont Police Station. I've got my head down like that, and I'm claustrophobic. Yeah. I said, mate, don't lock the door on me, please. I've never fucking been to jail, and I'm claustrophobic, which I am. Hmm. And I'll tell you why I'm claustrophobic in a minute. Because <laughs> me, Danny Medeiros, and Stephen Crow went to the nightclub, and, and we got slapped on the cowboys, and we're stuck in this lift at the playpen. Penthouse. <laughs> and all upside down in 35 degree heat on a Saturday night trying to kick the roof out. Really? And I'm all got claustrophobic. Oh, that. no. Panic attack. <clears throat> so I'm laying there, I'm crying, I'm in tears. I got the photo on my phone, my mate took a photo. Yeah. I don't know why he fucking took a photo, but he did. <laughs> <laughs> and he just, Yeah. The chains on the fucking door comes up near the truck park. <laughs> Bush. Yeah. They're coming to pick me up. Just get a little bit closer to that too. Yeah. Yeah. They're coming to pick me up. You know, they're coming to pick me up. I'll get up, handcuff me. Wow. I walk out. They lock me in the meat van. This is in front of your kids? No, 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 no. This is back at the police station. Okay. I took the kids around to the kid's mother. Yep. And I'm crying, saying, fuck them. What the fuck's going on? Mm. Why don't you just let me see the kids? I don't want to go to jail. Fuck me. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then they lock, I'll get in the meat, van, meat wagon. I'm in the front right behind the um, driver's seat, cold air coming through, a little box like that, mm. but you can only see straight yep. with the air vent, handcuffed, cold, metal on your wrist. I'm crying, thinking, fuck me. I'll see this shit on the movies. I'll see this shit on Netflix and yeah. fucking stand. Why am I going to look like going to jail because I want to see my children because mm. that's all I've got? Why would take – if you're not happy with me, then fucking – you've left two years ago. Go. Mm. But why, you know what I mean, when you're blaming me for doing shit when you used to do the shit with me? But now you're still talking shit. I'm sitting there. I'm crying. I get out. Lock me in your cell. I'm sitting in Newcastle. So I walk into the, tra- into the station. Because the police give you the corrections. They say, what's your min number? So I haven't got a min number. What? Your 42 year old Aboriginal man without a min number? What's a min number? It's a prison number. Oh. So they're oh. so assuming just because you're Aboriginal. But they knew who I was. Yeah. It's just, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I'm thinking, keep your mouth shut because it's all new territory to me. Mm. I'm sitting in this little cage thing like that and they're talking and everyone's talking and they're going through stuff. And Were there other people in there with you? No, just me. Just there. by yourself. all correction officers. Yeah, okay. You know what I mean? Because it's different than police. Police take you to there, yeah. then you go to corrections. Corrections is where you're going to go to court and go to jail, mm. or you get out on bail. So I put me in this room, and there's a bloke laying in the jail cell with me, and he's laying there shaking. You know, there's blood on the bed and that. Yeah. And they come through, and they put you in for the door. 
take the screws out, I take the handcuffs off you, yep. move away. Oh, you want a coffee or a pie? I didn't drink, eat nothing, bro. It was fucking shit, horrible food, you know? Yep. And I'm laying on the end of the bed, you know, and I saw cameras in the corner. And before you go in there, I take the string out of your hoodie and your pants. Well, just in case you harm yourself. Yeah. There. Yeah. And I'm thinking, fuck, man. I'm bottom of the barrel. Bankrupt. Broke. I've been couch surfing. Got no money. Mm. I've given everything to X. The car, everything. And then, because uh, I was understanding that one day I'd go home, but it wasn't the case. And then you hear stories in the community that I supposedly, that I've done. And this is one thing I love about the the law and the, and the governing law of this country. Mm. They need facts to go on facts. Yep. So when you go to the federal court of Australia, they go on facts. I get to see my kids now. If I was a bad man, cuz, mm, I would have let you. Yeah. I have my supervised visits. The reports come back fantastic. Mm. You know? And they go on facts. Now, you tell me any person that breaches OVO 10 times that doesn't go to jail. Because on facts, counts, true. Yeah. it's a family law matter. Yep. People breach OVO once and go to jail. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, it's, it's hard to swallow, but I've moved so far forward with my life mm. and with the children in my life that one day I want to see my kids walk down the aisle, bro. Absolutely. You know, and, you know, I've had a great life of footy and, and, and you know, and, and get back to the, the part then. So I said, Owen, Craig, Owen, up you get, put your hands through this square, handcuff you, then I open the door up and, you get in this lift with screws behind you and security and you go up this lift because of COVID and I said, sit down in this box. Hmm. I'm sitting there like this. With a camera, zoom, the judge. Mr. Craigie, right oh, blah, blah, blah. I'm thinking, fuck, I'm going to jail. Did he know that you were a footy player, you reckon? I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I think it's, it doesn't matter. Hmm. It doesn't matter what you are or what you do. Like there are people out there that are doctors, lawyers, pilots that commit crimes. And I would have thought they might have come down on you harder because you were. Yeah, well, I said, mate, <clears throat> well, I was looking at probably five years on top, two years on the bottom. Yeah. And then he just said to me, Mr. Craigie, I lock up scumbags. You're a pillar of society. Yeah. You inspire people, indigenous and non. Mm. Keep... Expiring, keep inspiring people. I'm letting you out today on bail, yep. on conditions. Then I got out of Newcastle Jail and I ran from Char- from Newcastle to Charlestown in my Haviana thongs. Then I ran barefoot and that's where Chase Energy started. I went home, I slept and I cried for two, three days of no food. And then three days later, I get a text message off a domestic violence phone saying, Do you want the kids? Because wow. he didn't find out I went to jail. Yeah. And I said, no, I'm not in no mind, body or spirit you want to, get yourself to be around anyone. Yeah. I will let you know when I will see the kids. I don't want them to let them see me like this. Mm. And at this time, I thought my ex-mother-in-law had this phone. Okay. But she didn't. Who was it? Who do you think? What, your ex? Yeah. And then, um, then... That night, the next morning, my phone was going ding, ding, ringing. Mate, you should see what my ex put on Facebook. The message I sent her, she put it up on her Facebook page. And I said, I don't follow her on social media. 
I've blocked her. Yeah. You know, what sort of man goes around telling people that they don't want to see their kids and none of the kids? No, 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 no. I fought for two years. I tried to take my own life twice. Mm. I wanted my babies more than anything in life. For sure. I almost went to fucking jail. I'm not breaching my AVL 11th time. And I'm certainly not responding to no more text messages or phone calls because it's breaching the fucking governing law of Australia. Mm. I didn't know this. And then I'm um, sitting in bed and then a, a beautiful lady by the name of Tracy Henshaw. And if there's any man or woman that's out there, you can follow Tracy on um, Facebook. She's from Justice Aunties. She said, you don't know me. I've been reading everything that's happening. Please talk to me, bub. So this was a random, just out oh, of the blue. I want to help you. Something's not right. Yeah. I said, you can't help me. I've fought to see my kid. You cannot help me. You can't. We met two days later. And I said, I don't trust anyone. But if you if you want it, we think you can help me see the kids, I'll give you a chance. She's now one of my best friends. Mm. She made contact with the kid's mother and that. And the, and the maternal grandmother, she come to every... So we had supervised visits without any supervised court orders so I can comply with my ex so I can see my kids. That's what I've done. Yeah. That's what I've fucking done here. You know what I mean? I was willing to show up and just play with the kids in the driveway for two hours. Yeah. Under a mother's supervision so I can see my kids. Absolutely. Like an animal. Not like, you know what I mean? I was willing to go this extreme. So if I'd done these criminal things, why the fuck would I show up? And she was like, nah, we're going to see them. And then now my life is so much better, bro. It's, it's it's good. I'm in a much better place. And, you know, I just started running and training. And um, so at the bottom of the barrel, what I've learned is that if you hang around dogs, you get fleas. Mm. And this is the most important lesson I've fucking learned in my life, cuz. Yeah. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. What's that, that thing about five most influential people around? You hang around five that? coke addicts, you'd be the sixth. Yeah. You hang around five single men, you're going to be the sixth. Single, yeah, yeah. You're going to hang around five alcoholics, you're going to be the sixth. Monkey see, monkey do. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, it's that world that you create for yourself, right? It's the world you create for yourself. I don't hang around anyone you used to hang with. I've blocked that many people. People still hate me. They're going to hate me even more because I know in 2021, baby, I'm coming. Mm. You know what I mean? And my kids, my, my, me and my family, we're, we're, I'm living my best life, cuz. And everything got to do with chase energy bars for free. I'm about to feed the homeless. Love real estate. Just purchased a caravan for 15 grand to donate to my charity yeah. to feed the homeless two, three days a week. Fast fuel meals, you know. They've come in with chase energy meals. A dollar from every meal goes to my foundation. I've got bottles of water, you know, support mental health. Um, that'll go to the foundation. I've got an energy drink that's non-caffeine, low in sugar bar. Yeah, I mean, it's called Taster Energy. Is it coming I, out? Is it yeah, out it's coming out. It's coming out, but it's all coming out, you know. Beautiful. I've got an app that's coming out to help people customise their own um, community supports and needs of people of race, religion, sexual, sexuality, loss, grief, death, mental health, suicide, ideation. You can custom fit your own world through my app, bro. Yeah. You know what I mean? Everything that I've designed is based around my bipolar, my diabetes, and my mental health, and my addictions, my urges, and behaviours. Yeah. The greatest gift I can give to people is not that. The greatest gift I can give to people is a clean, sober me. The greatest project I work on is me. And my kids are blessed to have a good, clean, sober father. I'm fucking winning, baby. People say you got no That's money. Firing, baby. I don't need money. I'm rich. I'm rich here. Yeah, and here. And here, bro. You know? Absolutely. I had my kids yesterday for seven hours. And we're just going to grow and grow and grow. 
And you know what? My dad said to me when I was in the federal court for one day, he leant down and said, son, I'm so proud of you. He said, your kids expected you to fight for them and you fought and you won. Don't worry about the 97 grand final. Mm. Don't worry about the three-year Australian school boys. That's sports, mate. That's sports. That's I just sport, fought mate. for yeah. the most important people in my life and I've done it, man. You know? You come on the other side. I wanted to talk to you about you know, on the drive here, you showed me some special parts of what's happened to you over the last 12 months. Yeah. The big part is, you know, you talked about eliminating people and also keeping the people close to you, mm. as close as you Maddie mm. Johns. Yeah, Maddie. You know, I speak to Maddie around again for a text or phone call, you know, or Maddie will ring me out of the blue for that new for me in a little while. Um, mm. I see, like, Maddie Gidley and, and Kirk Gidley. I see the boys here. Maddie, Maddie Gidley owns McDonald's now, and really? he comes back. Yeah, so Good, I, sometimes I used to train with the boys a fair bit, but I do my own training now, so. Yeah, but tell, talk to me the day Maddie saved your life, mate. Yeah, it was, it was weird. You know, I woke up and um, I was driving uh, the little work car towards Strasleki. And um, I had a, it was all planned, ready to go. And so when I say it was planned, it was I was going to Strasleki. I was jumping off backwards. If I landed on the rocks, though, the whitewash, the water can wash me away anyway. So, yeah, you know I mate. Mean? Mm. So it would be like a, a clean death. Um. And my smell, my scent, my taste, my feel was, I was numb. And I said, this is it, I'm out. I'm <clears throat> tapping out. I rang Maddie Jones. I said, Maddie, I'm, I'm tapping out. I can't do it no more. Can't. I said, do what? I said, life. I haven't seen the kids, but I said, I'm, I keep relapsing and I'm, I can't do it, you know, like. The people I loved the most in my life that I took bullets for and jumped in front of train for are betraying me to be a monster. <clears throat> and they weren't taking ownership of what they were really doing with me mm. or what they were doing away from me. They were still doing, doing things. So I'm done. And... um I was just in tears, I was sobbing. And in my head, you know, and I rung my mum before ringing Maddie. And I said, Mum, you're an amazing woman. You're a great mum. You give me a life that I could only dream of. You raised me. What I'm about to do, don't ever feel like it's your fault. And I rung my sister. This is all before Maddie. Mm. And when I rung them, I blocked them on social media. My phone, my mum and sister. And um, they rang Maddie. Maddie said, "Where are you? Just don't promise me to stay there. Yeah, straight away." Kirk Gidley's ringing me. Kirk, he goes, "Mate, are you in a bad way? What's going on?" I said, oh, "I'm done. Don't move. I'll get you some help." So they rang Doctor Pete McGeek. You know, so one of my mates picked me up. Met that Doctor Pete McGeek. I was in his office, just sobbing, crying. I didn't. Even, I can't remember what he said to me. I was just flat, bro. I was gone. And then um, he said, oh, you need to go there. you got some mental health here. I'm fucked. I've got diagnosed with bipolar, which is drug-induced bipolar. I'll take lithium morning and night now, my lithium. Hmm. And then um, I went and saw Dr. Peckang down at Chatham Road. And four days later, Brahman rehab. 
in Cullen Park next to Lockhart Oval Foundation House, you know, and I went there last week and met with the CEO with my dad, and I took my dad to the rehab. And I said, yeah, Dad, nice. I was in room four. Yeah. I took him in there. I said, this is where I was writing notes every day in rehab, how to work on myself, how to get my wife and kids back, and mm. how to clean my life up and do the right thing, you know. Like, a lot of people talk about rehab but never go. Yeah. A lot of people go to rehab and they quit. You know, a lot of people go to rehab and only a small amount of people finish rehab. Did you nearly quit in rehab? Yeah, three times in the first week. Yeah. And finishing rehab was what I learned about my mind, my body and my spirit, about this 12-step program. It's a, it's a spiritual recovery program. Mm. You've got to have a spiritual awakening sometime in your life to ignite the flame and fire, you know. Like when we go to a christening, there's candles. When we go to church, there's candles. When yeah. we go to a funeral, there's candles. That's the spirit. How do we light that spirit flame back up in Owen Craigie? Yeah. That's what rehab's all about. It's about, you know, flipping the switch on your motherfucking self and taking the world on head first, bro. Absolutely. And that's what I've done. You know, and I saw Joan, she's the CEO, um, and I've got a photo there and I'm about to post in a couple of days, you know, and I took my, my dad in tears just going, fuck, son. I said, Dad, you probably didn't think that your boy would ever make them mistakes and the life that I lived in. I said, but this is what I was living, Dad. I was hanging around scumbags doing yeah. cocaine. I was hanging around fucking dogs and getting fleas. Yeah. These people are not in my life anymore. These people are the ones that are still trying to... How grateful are you to have like guys like Maddie and Kurt and Matt? Great. Yeah. Grateful. Grateful. Yeah. Grateful, bro, you know. But there's an important lesson to be learned on Craig's life. Genuine mm-hmm. listener, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Yeah. I don't care if you've got $10 million or $10. Show me your friends... And I'll fucking show you your future. You know what I mean? And um, the Knights, this city bar, this city of Newcastle, without this city and the people that live in it, I'm nothing. I'm nobody. And with the Newcastle Knights and the Old Boys Foundation, I own my life, bar. They paid my kids' school fees when I was in rehab. Mm. Well, They paid for my specialist appointments and counselling and support. You know what I mean? And for that reason, I choose to live this life I'm living today so I can help the next Owen Craig, a young boy or girl, black, white, brindle, fat, battling their sexuality, race, religion, addiction, behavior, suicide ideation, whatever. You know, mm. and when I launch my app, it's a game changer. It's going to be free to download. Can't wait for it, mate. And it's called Real Talk. Mm. Real people, real, you know, real issues, real solutions. Real talk. Customize your own world that fits you to help you with your own mental health stability because when people, sometime in your life, you're going to get unwell, whether you like it or not. It might be from a death, a separation, yeah. a divorce, um, loss and grief, whatever. You're going to be unwell. There's a lot of adversity that people have to face, man. But what do you do when you're unwell? Mm. If you choose to do drugs and alcohol, it's game over. Yeah. Or you can bounce back. But what I want to prove to people is that never judge a book by its cover. Mm. You know, people still judge me for the old me. And they've got every right to judge me for the old me. But I don't care what they say anymore because I, I care about what I think and feel. Because I want to see my kids walk down the aisle, bro. Absolutely. You know? And um, the greatest gift I can give them is clean sober dad, you know? And that's it, man. Mate, i got one last just footy thing to ask. But before I say this, this has probably been the emotion, emotional in a podcast the ups and downs of listening to you speak and being so raw. So I do appreciate that before we move on because yeah. I know how much it's going to help other people. Yeah. And it takes a real man to be able to stand up and 
yeah, and publicly be able to talk yeah, about it, mate. Yeah, so. and, and and I thank you for getting me on your on your podcast, Barn. Of you know, I know my cousin and a few of the boys have been on yours, mm. and um, I suppose you know, and I'm very thankful for you to get me on here to tell my story. But I don't blame anyone for what's happened in my life, but me. Mm. Um, I do not blame my ex-wife for the way she thinks and feels about me, because she's probably going to be right to. But what I'm going to say to people is that. I'm living proof that I'll never, ever be perfect. Mm. I've made mistakes, but all I'm doing is giving myself a chance to live my best life. Yep. That's it, and I'm proof, you know? Absolutely. I applaud you for that, mate. All right, the last thing I want to talk to you about, because I've had heaps of the Knights boys on. Yeah. It's 97 grand final. Yeah. Still to this day is going to be – we're going to be talking about this in 30 years, mate. Yeah. But there was such a – between Chief, Butters, the older the Mark Glanville's, like that, they've all told me about this night before where you all came in and yeah. you were speaking. But I want to know from because you were nineteen. I was nineteen. I just well, turned nineteen, bro. So nine months before this, I just finished year twelve. You know what I mean? Or eight? Yeah, but ten months before this, I just finished SFX. Yeah. So I'm fresh out of high school, really. My first time in the real world outside of high school, you know. Yeah. And I'm rooming at a McDougal at the Holiday Inn at Coogee on the corner. Okay. And um, our our um, room was facing the beach, and that. <laughs> and Princess Diana, it was a funeral. Remember? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. just yeah. then, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm I'm sitting on the end of bed. I'm gutted because my mum, all from my house, all I've seen was the fucking rules. Princess Diana. I just, <laughs> so growing up, I just wanted a, a beautiful woman with blonde hair to look like Princess Di. Yeah, yeah. Mum loved her. Yeah. It was um, James Dean, Elvis Presley, or Princess Di. And you'll see the odd family photo on the wall. <laughs> but all for the house was Princess Di. Yeah. And she, it was her funeral. And we had to play the grand final the day after. Okay. Right? Her funeral. I remember like yesterday. I'm sitting on the bed. And then I got up the phone. Mum, mum's in tears. Oh, can't talk. I'm watching. I said, all right, I'm going. Yeah, man. What would I say? What could I say to her? She's I'm going to play footy the next day. Yeah. And Dougs is in the room. He puts a chair there and a table there and he goes, oh, McDougal, bigger, faster, stronger. And he's... Is he doing the legs thing? Talk to me, talk to me. I invested 20 years in you. <laughs> but he done that in a para game. That was a major semi before the GF. Yeah, we were down 20-something nil at half time. Yeah. Talking to his legs. And that's a true story too. <laughs> true story, you know. Come on, don't let me down. I put off for too many years in you. Don't let me down. And Dukes was a beast. Now, Dukes was so professional before there was professionalism in the game. Mm. And um, and I was lucky to have him as a roomie, you know, because I've learned so much of him. The way you eat, the way you sleep, protein, weights. Yep. All that. Just uh, true professional. All true professional, bro. Yeah. And um, the phone rings. I'm laying in bed. I'm laying, I'm laying in bed, you know. Uh, yeah, oh, it's, uh, it's Chief. Uh, come down to the function room, you and Dougs, in half an hour or 20 minutes or something, and um, just come down, we're going to have a yarn. Yeah. Sweet. Dougs. Dougs got to go down in 20 minutes, half an hour. Well, what's going on? What are we going to go down in for? What's that? No, we got a team meeting. Yeah, sweet. <laughs> we, we walked down. Yeah. Dead silent, bro. Dead silent. And I walk in the room. And I was like one of the last to walk in the room. I always roll. I'm always just around the corner or I'm coming. That was my old thing, you know. I wasn't in a rush for nothing, bro, you know what I mean? <laughs> You're in the country, mate. Yeah, I'm a country <laughs> boy, you know what I mean? <laughs> and we're sitting there and we sat around the room. Malcolm comes in, he goes, right, guys. He goes, 
what we're going to do here tonight, we're going to go around from one to right to the coaching staff and we're going to talk about what tomorrow means to you. you know? Yeah. I know we're going to shit Pommy action <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Here he goes. Okay, we go around and Robbie A goes, yeah, I'm Robbie A and I grew up in Toowoomba and I've been down here and blah, blah, blah and played footy and all this sort of stuff. Yep. Darren Albert. Oh, I'm just, damn yeah, Darren Albert. I'm from Scone and I'm, I'm 19 and or yeah. 20 and I'm, I'm just happy to be here and and he goes, number three, Mark Hughes is number three. Yep. Oh, I'm Mark Hughes. I'm a Curry boy. This time last year, I'm playing first grade in the local competition for Curry. You know? I am on Craig and my oldest is seven kids. I'm from Tinga. Tomorrow means the world to me because all I'm picturing me head now is running over top of my brothers and sisters in the backyard in Tinga commentating, Meninga, Daly, <laughs> Fitless, going, you know? Yeah, like, yeah. And I'm very, I'm just happy to be here. You know? Yeah. Number five, I'm Adam McDougall, blah, blah. Then he goes to. Maddie Johns. Yeah. Silence. Tears. Emotions. His face and lips are shaking. He's emotional. We can't lose. BHP just lost 2,000 jobs this week. Mm. The city needs us. I'm from Cessnock. You know, Matt, Andrew... We want to, I want to win the first premiership in the club's history. This is Andrew Johns. I want to be, you know, the ones holding that trophy. I want us. We deserve this. Yep. Number eight, Butterfield. A tough man from Western Sydney that if you go to war, he's, your front, he's the man that's leading you to war. Yeah. In tears. In tears. Tough man. Tough in tears. in tears. Wow. Great father, great husband, great man. Yeah. Tough. That tough, that training some days, I wouldn't even fucking say hello to Butsy because he's in the zone of training. Yep. He's, you don't give a fuck. It's Butsy's even all in all out. That training, you draw blood from you. He'd hit you late. He didn't give a fuck at ball work if you missed the game because he caused some hurt to you, you know, in tears. Then it comes to Billy Peden and Lee Jackson because they own the hookers. Then it comes to Chief, number 10. Mm. Chief cries. I'm looking around the room. Every man and the dog had tears coming down their face like it was a waterfall. Chief's just going. I played on the wing at Lakes United. I went to the Knights in 88 when no one gave us a chance. Mm. This club's 10 years old. I'm now a front rower. You know, we fought. We fought. There's one thing that's not going to happen tomorrow. We're not getting on that highway without the trophy. You fucking hear me? This ain't about the game. This is about the people that live in this city, the miners, the BHP steel workers, you know, all the people that are fighting to survive every day in the Hunter region. All the people that pay every week with their last cent to watch us play footy in reserve grade, SG Ball, Haramats, mm. and in the ARL, we are not going home without a trophy. We're not. I want you to think about sleep about it tonight. Visualise we're going home with the trophy. No excuses. Fuck. We're just going, what the fuck? I wasn't expecting this, mate. What did you feel like after it, man? I felt like a motherfucking god. Yeah. Just like floating. I felt like a, I felt like one of them 
um, sandstone carvings in Greece. Had you ever felt like that before again? Never. Ever again? Ever. Yeah. Ever. Then we go all around and coach and start everyone. Then we formed a little circle. And everyone's, you can feel, because everyone's crying. Yeah. Sobbing. The motion. Bah. Yeah. It was like a scene out of Remember the Titans. Yeah, yeah. It was like a scene out of The Last Dance. Yep. It was like Kobe Bryant taking his last shot, Michael Jordan taking his last college shot. It was a moment in life that took your breath away. And from that moment, we are going to win. And that's why we won. You know what I say? You went to the fat lady sings. Yeah. Well, the fat lady sung, yeah. and we still won after that. Wow. We didn't stop. Did you sleep that night? No. I had adrenaline. I feel like punching the... F- I thought I could, f- I could fight Mike Tyson. <laughs> <laughs> Even though Mike would knock me out, I would fight him. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it was... It was the... It was amazing, bro. And, and, and you know, like I watch um, Any Given Sunday now. Yeah. And you know the speech? By Pacino. Al Pacino. Yeah. Look, look at the man next to you. Yeah. Look him in the eyes. The inches. Are, are you going to fight that extra inch? Yeah, yeah. That minute, that second too late. That's early, what you guys too late. were doing. I get tears watching that. Yep. Thinking, Fuck. They copied us from the night before in the motel. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, and and then we, um the next, that night, the morning of breakfast, no one was talking at breakfast. Look, yeah, how you going? Yeah, let's go, bro. Yeah. Getting on the bus, dead silent. Got off the bus. SFX, you can smell the food, the fresh cut grass, the yeah. city. You, yep. can, you can smell, you know, and you can hear music and crowd roaring in SFX Stadium. You know, the greatest stadium ever played at two, by the way, SFX, you know. Going to the, going to the, and this is what Mal was good. This is what Mal was really good at. I'll walk in there, you've got your locker, mm. I'll see this yellow A4 paper. I look at it, sticky tape. It was a letter from my nan and pop. Nice. That mal arranged. Yeah. Written by my pop. Wow. I'm in tears again. I said, this fucker Malcolm Riley's my motherfucking genius. So you think you're going there? Yeah. He's contacted my grandparents, wrote me a letter to say how proud they are of me from yeah. Tinga, what it means to my culture, my people, my nana, my pop, and my family, and the people in my community. I went to there. Yeah. I don't give a fuck. That was Terry Hill's worst mistake that day playing Owen Craigie. I didn't score any tries, but by fucking gee, did I defend on him like no other centre did. Yeah, absolutely. Did we? He threw did, everything at you. He threw everything, bro. The best centre in the world. Mm. I'm fresh out of high school. And he's big. He's big. He's tough. He's tough. Rough. He's verbal. He wants to fight. Yeah, he wants to do this. Yeah. Me and Ted become good mates. When I went to West Tigers, he didn't speak to me for six months. Really? Yeah, and he was at my wedding, Ted. Because <laughs> 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 of that rivalry, you know? Yeah. And um, it was that feel. And then when we played... Um, Manly won the year before. Yeah. They come out, they'll favourite. No one give us a chance. Never. Nothing, and mate. This, this is why now, with my life now, with Chase Energy, I don't care what people think about me. I only care about what I think about me. Doesn't and matter that, what the odds that, are. That's what Malcolm Riley and the, yeah. and the Knights are in that comp. You know what I mean? It's a two-horse race, because in the, in the yeah. Melbourne Cup, either you are going to win. It's a two-horse race. If we do the right things and get ourselves a, we're unstoppable. And we won, bro. That moment when Albie scored... Mm. Do you, I, I do got, you still yeah, yeah? Do you still walk around and sometimes get it like flash in your head? I do. I said to my mate the other day, I said to him, "Let's have a barbecue at your house and let's watch the whole grand final." He goes, "Why?" I said, "Because I've never watched it." You never? No. To this day. To this day. 
And I said, I want to watch it. He goes, what do you mean you haven't watched it? I said, I haven't watched it. He goes, why? I said, because I know the result. We won. But I haven't watched it. So did you watch it? Oh, not yet. This, this, this week, I'm going to watch it. Yeah. Okay. So when I barbecue, I'll watch it from start to finish. I want to relive. It's like a part of my journey through my whole recovery and life. Where I'm Absolutely, at now. mate. I, I want to watch it, bro, you know? Yeah. And he goes, right, done. So we're going to watch it this week. We're going to watch it from start to finish. How cool. And no doubt I'll, I'll you know, I'll be tearing up because it was an yeah. emotional thing, but um, it's it's just the moments in life, bro, that are just so fucking special, bro, mm. you know, and and now this whole chase energy thing, you know, and um, it's all about it's a mental health movement to help the next Owen Craigie, you know, and people can follow me on Instagram, Owen Craigie, or Facebook, yep. Owen Craigie. You've got your website too, don't you? Yeah, yeah, website. OCChaseTheEnergy.com. Yep. And that, it's all happening, bro, you know, and um, my message is inspiring other people to live their best life against all odds. Mm. All odds, you know. And sometime in your life, people will get unwell, but if you do, reach out to Lifeline, Black Dog Institution, Beyond Blue, your GP, your doctor, whatever it may be, or talk to someone. But always remember, phase one is that, phase two is what? Activate your life, taste the energy, baby, the big AC. Absolutely. Chase the energy. Well, I'm Craigie. Loved you on the podcast, brother, and you're welcome anytime, my man. Thanks, my brother. Let's go, baby. Merry Christmas, people. Yeah. (laughs) Happy New Year. Happy New Year, son. All right, boys and girls, that is it for episode 206 of Talking With TK. I'll be back with a new episode with Ian Roberts, episode 207, next week. So that's going to be split in two as well. This is a nice little 90-minute one there as well. I hope you're enjoying being me being back, and I'll be bringing you plenty of shows. But definitely get in touch with any guest requests that you want for this year. And just remember my new show, Talking League, talking about everything NRL, everything NRL fantasy. Check it out. It will change the way you watch footy. Trust me. And definitely join in our NRL Fantasy League and tipping comps. $500 cash prize for each. Winner takes all. Free to enter. And all the info is in the episode notes or hit me up on socials or also my email, Tristan at TalkingWithTK.com. Always great to have your company. I'm Tristan Cannell, and this was Talking With TK.